Today is November 21st. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful for your presence, for the pleasure of your company. Now, before we dive into today's readings, let's just take a moment to center ourselves, to get grounded and prepare our hearts for the wisdom and the treasure that awaits us. Close your eyes if you can. Take a deep breath and let go of any distractions around you. If you brought anything into this space that does not serve the purpose of this moment, release it, surrender it, let it go, and then inhale the peace, exhale the worries, the stress, and just let the presence of God surround you, envelop you in this moment. And as we open our hearts to the passages that we'll cover on our journey today, Let's talk about what it is that we're going to explore. So in Ezekiel, we're going to witness more of the prophet's detail and descriptions of the temple and the restoration of God's presence among his people. Now, don't be overwhelmed by the measurements and minutia of all these details. There's been a lot of numbers. Instead, focus on the underlying significance of this sacred space and what it represents. This is the place where heaven meets earth, where we can connect with God and find soulless and spiritual sustenance. And then moving on to James, we're going to encounter a powerful message about wealth and true fulfillment. James reminds us that money and possessions don't guarantee lasting happiness. And anyone who has ever had some money knows that this is show enough the truth. Instead, James shows us that true wealth lives in living with integrity, compassion, and staying true to our values. It's when we align ourselves with these principles that we are living consistently with what we know to be true, with what we believe, with what we desire, that we experience inner peace and that sense of fulfillment that surpasses any material gain. And when I say desire, I'm talking about our desire to live for Christ. And then when we get to Psalm 119, we're going to see this beautiful exploration of the blessings that come from living in harmony with God's word. There is no better way to live. The psalmist shares how the secret to finding happiness, prosperity, and a deep connection with our source, with God, is by following his instructions, following his teaching, following his law. This is an invitation to experience the abundant life, that overflow that comes from walking in his ways. That's what we all want. And this psalmist is giving us a major key right here. Lastly, we're going to explore Proverbs 28, which highlights the stark contrast between the temporary pleasures of worldly wealth and the lasting value of a life lived with integrity. I think y'all can see the common thread in our passages today. This proverb is a reminder that true wealth is not measured by our possessions, once again, but by our character, our choices, and our commitment to living authentically. Are y'all ready for this enriching journey that we have before us today? Let's dive in and allow these passages to inspire, to challenge, and to guide us as we seek to grow in wisdom and live wholeheartedly. Let's get going, growing, and flowing in these verses, Ezekiel chapters 42 and 43.
Then he led me out of the temple back into the inner court to the rooms north of the temple yard and to another building. This group of structures was 175 feet long by 87 and a half feet wide. The rows of rooms behind this building were the inner wall of the court. The rooms were in three tiers, overlooking the outer court on one side and having a 35-foot strip of inner court on the other. A 17 and a half foot walk ran between the building and the tiers of rooms, extending the entire length with the doors of the building facing north. The upper two tiers of rooms were not as wide as the lower one because the upper tiers had wider walkways beside them. And since the building was not built with girders as those in the outer court were, the upper stories were set back from the ground floor. The north tiers next to the outer court were 87 and a half feet long, only half as long as the inner wing that faced the temple court, which was 175 feet long. But a wall extended from the end of the shorter wing parallel to the longer wing. And there was an entrance from the outer court to these rooms from the east. On the opposite side of the temple, a similar building composed of two units of tiers was on the south side of the inner court, between the temple and the outer court, arranged the same as the other. There was a walk between the two wings of the building, the same as in the other building across the court, the same length and width, and the same exits and doors. They were identical units, and there was a door from the outer court at the east. Then he told me, these north and south tiers of rooms facing the temple yard are holy. There, the priests who offer up the sacrifices to the Lord shall eat of the most holy offerings and store them, the cereal offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings, for these rooms are holy. When the priests leave the holy place, the nave of the temple, they must change their clothes before going out to the outer court. The special robes in which they have been ministering must first be removed, for these robes are holy. They must put on other clothes before entering the parts of the building open to the public. When he had finished making these measurements, he led me out through the east passageway to measure the entire temple area. He found that it was in the form of a square, 875 feet long on each side, with a wall all around it to separate the restricted area from the public places. Afterward, he brought me out again to the passageway through the outer wall leading to the east, and suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters, and the whole landscape lighted up with his glory. It was just as I had seen it in the other visions, first by the Chabar Canal, and then later at Jerusalem when he came to destroy the city. And I fell down before him with my face in the dust, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the eastern passageway. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard the Lord speaking to me from within the temple. The man who had been measuring was still standing beside me. And the Lord said to me, Son of dust, this is the place of my throne and my footstool, where I shall remain, living among the people of Israel forever. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer through the adulterous worship of other gods, 
or by worshiping the totem poles erected by their kings. They built their idol temples beside mine, with only a wall between, and worshipped their idols. Because they sullied my holy name by such wickedness, I consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their idols and the totem poles erected by their kings, and I will live among them forever. Son of dust, describe the temple I have shown you to the people of Israel. Tell them its appearance and its plan so they will be ashamed of all their sins. And if they are truly ashamed of what they have done, then explain to them the details of its construction, its doors and entrances, and everything about it. Write out all the directions and the rules for them to keep. And this is the basic law of the temple. Holiness. The entire top of the hill where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the primary law concerning it. And these are the measurements of the altar. The base is 21 inches high with a 9-inch rim around its edge, and it extends 21 inches beyond the altar on all sides. The first stage of the altar is a stone platform three and a half feet high. This platform is 21 inches narrower than the base block on all sides. Rising from this is a narrower platform, 21 inches narrower on all sides and 7 feet high. From it, a still narrower platform rises 7 feet, and this is the top of the altar with four horns projecting 21 inches up from the corners. This top platform of the altar is 21 feet square. The platform beneath it is 24 and a half feet square with a 10 and a half inch curb around the edges. The entire platform extends out from the top 21 inches on all sides. On the east side are steps to climb the altar. And he said to me, Son of dust, the Lord God says, These are the measurements of the altar to be made in the future when it is erected for the burning of offerings and the sprinkling of blood upon it. At that time, the Zadok family of the Levite tribe, who are my ministers, are to be given a bullock for a sin offering. You shall take some of its blood and smear it on the four horns of the altar and on the four corners of the top platform and in the curb around it. This will cleanse and make atonement for the altar. Then take the bullock for the sin offering and burn it at the appointed place outside the temple area. The second day, sacrifice a young male goat without any defects, without sickness, deformities, cuts, or scars for a sin offering. Thus the altar shall be cleansed, as it was by the bullock. When you have finished this cleansing ceremony, offer another perfect bullock and a perfect ram from the flock. Present them before the Lord, and the priests shall sprinkle salt upon them as a burnt offering. Every day for seven days a male goat, a bullock, and a ram from the flock shall be sacrificed as a sin offering. None are to have any defects or unhealthiness of any kind. Do this each day for seven days to cleanse and make atonement for the altar, thus consecrating it. On the eighth day and on each day afterward, the priests will sacrifice on the altar the burnt offerings and thank offerings of the people, and I will accept you, says the Lord God. James chapter 5 Look here, you rich men, now is the time to cry and groan with anguished grief because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is even now rotting away, and your fine clothes are becoming mere moth-eaten rags. The value of your gold and silver is dropping fast, yet it will stand as evidence against you and eat your flesh like fire. That is what you have stored up for yourselves to receive on that coming day of judgment. 
But listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated out of their pay. Their cries have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have spent your years here on earth having fun, satisfying your every whim, and now your fat hearts are ready for the slaughter. You have condemned and killed good men who had no power to defend themselves against you. Now as for you, dear brothers, who are waiting for the Lord's return, be patient like a farmer who waits until the autumn for his precious harvest to ripen. Yes, be patient and take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers. Are you yourselves above criticism? For see, the great judge is coming. He is almost here. Let him do whatever criticizing must be done. For examples of patience and suffering, look at the Lord's prophets. We know how happy they are now because they stayed true to him then, even though they suffered greatly for it. Job is an example of a man who continued to trust the Lord in sorrow. From his experiences, we can see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good, for he is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, dear brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned for it. Is anyone among you suffering? He should keep on praying about it. And those who have reason to be thankful should continually be singing praises to the Lord. Is anyone sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him, calling on the Lord to heal him. And their prayer, if offered in faith, will heal him, for the Lord will make him well. And if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will forgive him. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Elijah was as completely human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed again, this time that it would rain, and down it poured, and the grass turned green and the gardens began to grow again. Dear brothers, if anyone has slipped away from God and no longer trusts the Lord and someone helps him understand the truth again, that person who brings him back to God will have saved a wandering soul from death, bringing about the forgiveness of his many sins. Sincerely, James. Psalm 119 verses 1 through 16. Happy are all who perfectly follow the laws of God. Happy are all who search for God and always do His will, rejecting compromise with evil and walking only in His paths. You have given us your laws to obey. Oh, how I want to follow them consistently. Then I will not be disgraced, for I will have a clean record. After you have corrected me, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey. Oh, don't forsake me and let me slip back into sin again. How can a young man stay pure? By reading your word and following its rules. I have tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander off from your instructions. I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Blessed Lord, teach me your rules. I have recited your laws and rejoiced in them more than in riches. I will meditate upon them and give them my full respect. I will delight in them and not forget get them. Proverbs 28 verses 6 and 7. 
Better to be poor and honest than rich and a cheater. Young men who are wise obey the law. A son who is a member of a lawless gang is a shame to his father. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of yet another episode, we bow our heads in gratitude and reverence for the time that we've spent together in your word. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom, the insight, and the impartation that we've received from the passages that we've explored today and the passages that we explore every day. Lord, we ask that you would take these words and plant them deep within our hearts, seed them into the soil of our souls so that they can take root and grow, helping us to transform from the inside out, helping us to bloom and blossom into the best versions of ourselves. Lord, help us to apply what we've learned and to live out your truth in our daily experiences. Lord, we pray for the strength to embody the integrity and faith that James encourages us to embrace. Lord, grant us the discipline and devotion to walk upright as Proverbs reminds us. Lord, and as we think about the Psalms, may we be inspired in our own passion and fervent desire for your word, leading us to want to meditate on it day and night. And Father, now we just lift up all of our burdens, any burdens, worries, or struggles that we may be carrying. We ask for your peace to fill our hearts and your understanding to fill our minds and for clarity, for discernment and favor. And as we go about our day and the moments where we encounter stress or frustration, sadness or dismay or disappointment, Lord, may we be ever mindful of your continual goodness that regardless of whatever is going on, you got us and all we need to do is look toward the hills from which cometh our help because our help comes from you who made heaven and earth. Lord, open our eyes to the blessings that are all around us, both big and small. Lord, may gratitude overflow from our hearts as we recognize your faithfulness and your provision in every aspect of our lives. Lord, we commit ourselves to you as we seek to maximize every gift and blessing you've imparted to us. We ask all of these things in the mighty and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today, I am grateful for the gift of life and I embrace each day with a sense of purpose and intention. I am grateful for the gift of life and I embrace each day with a sense of purpose and intention. And our aphorism, the sense of paralysis proceeds not so much out of the mammoth size of the problem, but out of the puniness of the purpose. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this sacred sojourn with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.